0: sports, uh, there is a achievement, an achievement. Uh, we would call it a pinnacle achievement. It's known as a grand slam uh, in, in baseball. Uh, it's kind of a pinnacle achievement on the ball field where you can, as a hitter, uh, hit a home run with three runners on base. Uh, in other sports, it's even more complex than that. Uh, you have in golf, a Grand Slam of golf is winning the four major tournaments. In tennis, it's winning uh, the four major championships, Wimbledon, the French Open, the U.S. Open, and the Australian Open. But Grand Slams are these pinnacle achievements in sports. There's an explorer's Grand Slam, an adventurer's Grand Slam. and In 2021, a young man named Taylor Schweitzer became the... Uh, 51st somewhere in there, person to complete uh, the Explorers Grand Slam. There have only been 70 people to date that have completed the Explorers Grand Slam. Here's what the Explorers Grand Slam entails. Uh, I'll give you an overview, then I'm going to show you some pictures. The Explorers Grand Slam entails uh, reaching and skiing both of our poles, the North and the South Pole. It involves scaling and summoning the seven highest peaks uh, in the world. The highest peak, on, not the seven highest peaks, on the, world, the seven highest peaks on the continents in the world. So one highest peak per continent. Here's what it looks like. Uh, you have to ski and reach the North Pole. You then have to ski and reach the South Pole. You can do these in any order that you want. You have to scale and summit uh, a mountain in Indonesia called Karstens. It's also called the Karstens Pyramid. It's in New Guinea. You have to scale and summit Mount Elbrus in Russia. You have to scale and summit Vinson Massif, the highest peak in Antarctica. You have to scale and summit a peak, and I'm gonna mess this up, Aconcagua in Argentina. It's right near the border of Chile. You have to scale and summit Denali in Alaska, formerly Mount McKinley. You have to scale and summit Mount Kilimanjaro uh, in Kenya and you have to scale and summit Everest, probably the most famous of those peaks. So when one person skis and reaches the North Pole, the South Pole, and summits all seven of those peaks, they award them with the Explorers Grand Slam. Now, I don't know about you, uh, I think probably winning a Grand Slam in golf is, is pretty difficult. I think winning a Grand Slam in tennis is pretty difficult, especially since I don't play tennis, it'd be really hard for me. And if you've seen my golf game, you know how hard that would be for me. Uh, hitting a Grand Slam is really hard in baseball. But I'm not sure any of those compare to the Explorers Grand Slam and the energy and the effort that it would take to accomplish that feat. How does someone accomplish such an incredible feat? They certainly don't do it by themselves. Uh, if you'd know anything about mountain climbing, about adventuring, it requires a team of people. People around you, people to coach you, people to train you. Not only do you have the physical training that you have to prepare for to reach high elevations, but you have to have guides. In most of these places, there are local people, native people that have lived in these lands for generations who know the paths. And so someone has to show these explorers the path up to the peak of the mountain. Uh, in, in, In Taylor's case, Taylor was taught first by his father, Rick. His father, Rick Schweitzer, owns two companies still in existence to this day, the Northwest Passage Company that leads people on expeditions of Denali. Uh, He owns a company called Polar Explorers that leads people to the North Pole and on these treks. He took his son, Taylor, when he was 15 years old. At that time, there's been someone younger since, but at that time, Taylor was the youngest person ever to reach and ski the North Pole. And his dad taught him. His dad gave him wisdom. His dad gave him guidance. His dad took all the understanding he had of a polar expedition, and he helped his child learn that and showed him the way. But it wasn't just that his dad taught him. They, they learned from other guides, these natives. When they, were, when they were scaling, well, when Taylor was scaling Mount Everest, his dad went with him. In fact, Taylor, his dad, Rick, and their mother, I forget her name, all went to base camp on Everest together. And when the window opened, if you've ever studied people who who, who climb Mount Everest, uh, the windows of time can be really tricky and they're really short. There's a very short climbing season, sometimes as little as a week or a few days every year to summit Mount Everest. And when that window opened, um, Taylor went to his dad and said, dad, it's time to go. And Rick said, listen, I just don't feel like I'm up to the challenge. And if you've seen any stories of people scaling Everest, you know, you have to be confident, you have to be strong, you have to be ready, you have to be just to go in in that moment. And so his dad didn't go. But Taylor wasn't relying on his dad that day to show him the way. He had three Sherpas. I mean, you've heard stories of Sherpas, these natives of Nepal who have grown up, their families for generations. They've lived in the altitude. They know the paths. They know the ladder system over the various crevasses on Everest, Everest. And he trusted them to be his guide. Thinking about Proverbs... Just as it takes guidance and wisdom for someone to point us on the right path to scale physical mountains, we require people help, wisdom to guide us in living life's adventure, the choices and the pursuits that we make. Without that guidance, without that wisdom, uh, the path will be treacherous. So far in Proverbs, we've looked at a couple of keys. Week one, we looked at how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We read that in uh, Proverbs chapter one. Uh, It's echoed again in Proverbs chapter nine, at the end of this lengthy introduction to Proverbs, and it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, We've seen that if we're going to be people who live wisely, and wisdom is this understanding that's applied in our life, the skillful application of knowledge in our life, the knowledge that God gives us. If we're going to be people who live that way, people who live well, people who experience the fullness of life, it begins with the fear of the Lord, this healthy, holy, humbling um, reverence for who God is this recognition of his greatness and his majesty. If we don't believe that God is great, that God is greater than anyone and anything, then we're not going to listen to his wisdom. We're not gonna wanna respond to what he teaches us in his word. And so it begins with the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. And then last week we looked at this next key that's kind of illustrated heavily in, in chapter two, that as we have the fear of the Lord, we also have to desire to want it. We have to want that wisdom. We have to desire to seek that wisdom. There's all this language at the beginning of chapter two about desiring and seeking and wanting and yearning and longing for the wisdom that the father is providing to his son. And we know the heavenly father wants to provide to us. So if we're going to gain anything in this study on Proverbs, it has to begin with the fear of the Lord. And we have to want it. We have to seek it. We have to desire it. But there's one more key that I want to lay the foundation with, finish laying the foundation with this week. And that's this key of understanding wisdom as a path. There is path language all throughout the book of Proverbs. Uh, It's in chapter one. If you go back and reread chapter one, you reread chapter two, you're going to find path language all over the place, either the word, the way, uh, the word, the path. Uh, You'll even have like visual representations of someone walking or stumbling or avoiding the wrong way or the path of evildoers. That's in chapters one and two, but it continues on into chapter three, chapter four, and the rest of Proverbs. And if we're going to understand Proverbs, we have to grasp this idea of the path. Uh, Scholars who have written about Proverbs will sometimes call this the principle of two ways that shows up throughout the book of Proverbs. You have a choice. Will you follow the way of wisdom? Will you follow the way of applying God's truth and God's instruction to your life? Or will you choose the way of folly, foolishness, wickedness, and evil? There is a path. Which one will we choose? Probably the most famous verses in the entire book of Proverbs involve this metaphor of the path. Um, Most people see Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 as... Uh, the, the most well-known passages uh, in, in the book of Proverbs. We're gonna hang out in chapter three just a little bit today, but mostly in chapter four, but I wanna start here in Proverbs three, five, and six. Maybe you have this memorized. Solomon, the father of the writer, uh, speaks to his son. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I memorized it as a kid in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So, so this wise teacher, this father, says, understand this, son. You need to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Uh, that, that picture of the heart shows up throughout Scripture. Um, we learn about loving God with all of our heart, our soul, our strength. Uh, The the heart has always been that place that we uh, kind of visualize, we speak of as that place of decision-making where um, it kind of controls our life. And the wise teacher says, trust in the Lord with your whole heart, with everything that you are. And how do you do that? Well, you don't lean on your own understanding. Trust, trust the Lord more than you trust yourself. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, I'm betting on myself every time. I don't ever wanna bet on myself. I'd rather bet on Jesus every time. And so trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. And what does that look like? It looks like in all your ways, choosing to submit to him, to bring your life under his authority. And when we do that, when we say, Lord, you teach us, you show us the way. I'm gonna trust you even when I don't like it. Um, then he's gonna make our paths straight. So one of the things we understand in reading Proverbs is that there is a way, there is a way of wisdom, there is a way of understanding that comes from God when skillfully applied, helps us live well. Will we choose that path? And that language is not new to us. What do we hear Jesus say? Jesus says, I am the what? Way, Way. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Like, I am the path, like, follow me. Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God in these terms. He says that broad is the road, the path, the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the road, narrow is the path, narrow is the way that leads to life. There is a path. So which path will we follow? The wisdom of God points us down the right path. As we move into chapter four, we'll come back to chapter three at the end. The father just really dials into this path language when it comes to teaching his child. Look at verses 10 through 19. Listen, my son, Accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. As you read Proverbs, as you study Proverbs, you cannot miss. It's nearly every page, every chapter. This father desperately wants his child to find the way of wisdom. He cares for his child. He wants life to go well for his child. That's a burden of this father's heart. And we know that the words of Proverbs were given to Solomon Through the power of the Spirit, Uh, Peter tells us that in one of his New Testament letters, that these guys didn't write based on what they wanted to do, but the Spirit of God led them along. So we know that the Father God is speaking to us, and you need to understand that just as much as Solomon wants things to go well for his son, your heavenly Father wants things to go well for you. He wants you to experience his life of fullness, but it comes as we listen to him and follow him. He says, I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight Paths. There's the words way and paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Again, this imagery related to being on a path. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked. You see this other path. Or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. Go on your way. For they cannot rest. The evildoers cannot rest until they do evil. They're robbed of sleep until they make someone else stumble. They, they long to see other people fall and get hurt. Uh, they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Do you hear the Father's urgency? Yes. There's a path. There's this path of wisdom. There's this understanding that God brings to us. And it's not just in Proverbs. This is the wisdom of his entire word and his his counsel uh, in the word. It guides us and shows us the right path. But will we take that right path? So not only do I want you to see that there's a path, that wisdom is a path that leads us to this life well-lived, but I want you to hear the father understanding his responsibility to lead his child in the right path. When Rick Schweitzer is helping Taylor Schweitzer ski to the North Pole for the first time, he is concerned for his son. He knows that the elements at the North Pole will kill you. And so he wants him to find the right path. A father here in scripture wants his son to find the right path. And I think it just gives us this ample opportunity as uh, people today on Father's Day to ask this question of ourselves. If you're a dad in the room... Do you understand your responsibility? Do I understand my responsibility? Is to help my chief responsibility is to help my child find the path of wisdom. You know, I hear a lot of things and I've thought these things myself. I believe these lies myself that my primary responsibility is to provide for my kids. It's to protect my kids. But my primary responsibility is not to provide for my kids and protect for my kids. It's to help them find the wisdom of God to navigate life's difficulties. There are common mountains, if we wanna use that metaphor, that all of us face. We all face the mountains of relationships, grief and death, money and finances, substances, food, drink, drugs, sexual desire, work, like labor, are we going to be diligent, are we going to be lazy, all themes that show up in the book of Proverbs, by the way, and these are mountains, and what I love about those pictures of the mountains I showed you earlier is that we look at them and we see their beauty, don't we? Like, who, who looks at Everest and says, well, that's one, one ugly place to be? No, it's beautiful, but what do we also know about Everest? It's, it's dangerous, they, they can be full of peril. Uh, you go to the lower peaks, like the one on Antarctica, it's still a dangerous place but it's also beautiful. And we look at these common mountains that we have to summit in life, they can be beautiful. Relationships, relationships between a husband and a wife, relationships between parents and children, relationships between siblings, relationships between friends, relationships among neighbors, they can be beautiful, Uh, but they also can be difficult and dangerous and treacherous. Sexual desire can be beautiful but it can be perilous and full of danger. Work. How many of us know that that hard work can be a beautiful thing, but what does overworking do to us? We can know that hard work or even rest is a beautiful thing, but what do we know about laziness? When it comes to substance, food is good, food is fuel, food tastes good, all those things, but, but what happens when there's too much of those things? What happens when we consume too much of, uh, of drinks in the world or, or, or whatever? Else? Like, like it can hurt us. It can harm us. What about money? I mean, someone who understands finances God's way can stand on this pinnacle, and they can have so much, and they can see all the good that can happen with it. But yet, how many of us in a lust for or uh, a desire for money have, have found ourselves falling into uh, Depths of of debt and uh, or maybe even um, bankruptcy or burdens that come by pursuing financial gain in ways that God did not intend. So there are these mountains. Well, who's gonna provide the wisdom for children, adult and child, their children, adult children and, 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 and young children to navigate, it's a father's responsibility to help guide that child in the way of wisdom. Do we as dads see that our primary responsibility is to help our children navigate and live wisely according to God's word? If you're not a parent, Uh, If you're not a father, if you're not a mother, do you see that we still have people that are under our influence and we have a responsibility to provide them with wisdom from God's word? All of us will be asked for wisdom probably at some point this week. Someone's gonna ask you for relationship advice. Someone's gonna ask you for wisdom when it comes to their finances. Someone's gonna ask you for wisdom when it comes to a job at work. Where's that source of wisdom for you? Is it the word of God? Is it the way of God? And when you point people on that path, they can summit those mountains in in a healthy way that helps them live well. When we know that there's a path and we accept the responsibility of helping other people find that path, uh, one of the things we can see is that we can make an impact that lasts for generations. I wanna take you to verses one through nine. The writer of Proverbs says, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning so do not forsake my teaching. Look at verse three. For I too was a son to my father. And again, if this is Solomon writing these things, we can picture David here. I was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. And then he taught me and he said to me, and what follows in the rest of of verses four through nine are Solomon's words from his dad to him. Take hold of my words with all of your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Sounds a lot like chapter two. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. The cost, all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. So Solomon says, the wisdom I'm sharing with you, son, I got from my dad. Did you, did you see the power of the, of the generational impact? Yes. David accepts the responsibility to teach his child in the ways of God. Right. Right. Solomon then teaches his child in the ways and wisdom of God. Yes. And then that child is primed, if they follow God, to teach their children in the wisdom and the ways of God. Yes. Did you realize that God has hardwired kind of generational impact into his plan to transform our world? Amen. Look back to Genesis, Adam and Eve. What's one of the commands he gives Adam and Eve in the garden? Be fruitful and multiply. Yes. Fill the earth and subdue it. I want you, Adam and Eve, to have children and help them join me in my work Amen. to subdue the earth. Right. Generational impact. When, when the flood comes because of uh, every inclination of the human heart was, was evil and, and, and God had to judge the earth, what's one of the first commands he gives to Noah when the water recedes? be fruitful and multiply. When, when the Israelites are in Egypt and uh, they are in slavery, it tells us that they multiplied rapidly. Yes, yes. It's this picture of insects multiplying. God is growing his people. He rescues them from Egypt. He brings them into a land that he ultimately wants them to fill and subdue. He wants to bring his reign. It's, it's generational impact. When we get to the New Testament, what are Jesus' final words to his disciples? What's his final command? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth subdue it. God is hardwired into the DNA of his kingdom, this idea of generational impacts. What we see in Proverbs chapter four is just a continuation of what came before in Adam and Eve and what came before in Moses and what came before in the life of God's people. And it's what continues on in us. God wants us to live on his path of wisdom and share that with other people. Will we we share it? Will we make an impact? But what would happen um, if the Nepalese people uh, who understand Mount Everest just decided all of a sudden this year, guess what? We're not telling anybody else how, how to summit Mount Everest. How many people would summit Mount Everest in the decades to come? It would go from the few that it already is to, to nothing. Because no one would know how to summit Everest. No one would know how to, how to traverse the ladder system. No one would know how to adapt when, when they see the storm coming in. But as people share generation after generation after generation, that wisdom, that guidance is perpetuated, and so people can sum it. Will we be men and women who adhere to the way and the wisdom of God and share that and see generations impacted again and again and again? There's a path. Our chief responsibility, if we have influence over people, especially if we're dads, is to share and point people to the wisdom of God. We need to see the generational impact of that wisdom. We also have to understand that it starts with us. The people we lead are watching us and we'll never help someone else trust in the Lord with all of their heart and choose not to lean on their own understanding and submit to God in all their ways and he makes their paths straight unless we ourselves start by trusting in the Lord with all of our hearts and leading not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledging him and submitting to him and allowing him to make our path straight. That's where wisdom begins, is by us listening to the Father. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Seeking it, desiring and allowing him to shape us, and then we are then primed to pass that wisdom along Amen. to shape other people. Amen. Will we be men and women who lead people on the path of wisdom What's it gonna take? I just wanna take you in these final minutes to verses 20 to 27. Uh, It's gonna take an all out effort is what it's gonna take. Uh, Verses 20 through 27. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. You kinda hear this focus on the external parts of the body. Pay attention, turn your ears, listen in. Look for them. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and a health to one's whole body. Verse 23, probably the key to this last section, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from. And again, in an earlier version of the NIV, this is how I memorized it, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. Uh, Spring brings water to the community, sustains life. And the, the writer here says that our hearts are that place where life comes from. Uh, are we guarding it? Uh, this word guard literally means to place sentries over. Like, like, like you are intentional. It would be a, a term that's used when people would have guards at the gates. Like what's coming in and the father says, Listen, if you're going to walk in the way of wisdom, if you're going to find this path, it's going to be because you are intentional. You guard your heart. Yeah. Listen for my words, don't let them out of your sight. Guard your heart. Monitor what's going on inside of you. Verse 24 keep your mouth free of perversity, keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. There's this image of this whole body being involved and engaged in the pursuit of wisdom. Will we go all in and commit our whole selves to pursuing the path of God's wisdom? Will we pass on the path of wisdom? Will we guide people on the mountains of life? Will we see that generational impact? again, it begins by trusting in the Lord with all of our hearts and leaning not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, submitting to him and he will make our paths straight. Just a couple concluding words. Um, Maybe maybe you have grown up in a home, a family, um, and you're saying, Craig, I don't have anybody that's teaching me uh, the ways and wisdom of God. Well, first of all, uh, may I just encourage you, you're in a great place to learn how to follow and learn the wisdom of God. When you hear it taught, when you sit in a group and you read it together, uh, that helps you learn this way of wisdom. But I want to encourage you something even greater than that. God has made possible and made available to every single one of us the, the, the best Sherpa there is. When, when we, in faith, when we, certain of what we hope for and sure of what we cannot see, when we choose to trust and follow Jesus, here's what Acts tells us. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, Paul tells us, is a spirit that can come and live inside of us. The Spirit of God comes to live and dwell inside of us, and he is better than any Sherpa in Nepal. He will convict us. He will encourage us. He will point us to the words of truth. He will illuminate the words of truth in God's word, and he will guide us. And so even if you haven't had a father, even if you haven't had a mother, even if you haven't had a mentor show you and point you in the ways and the wisdom of God, you can find it through his spirit. And the spirit, by the way, feeds on the words of God, Um, something that's important for us to realize when it comes to responding to the Holy Spirit, allowing him to convict us and guide us. The spirit of God will never lead us in a direction that's contrary to the word of God. Uh, There are times when I'll have conversations with people and they'll say, I just have been praying. I think the spirit is telling me to do this. And you hear those next words that come out of their mouth and you're like, oh, wait a second. Like, where did you get that from? That's nowhere in the word of God. And so you have to test those words. 1 John 4 tells us to test the spirit to make sure that it's coming from God. But the spirit of God, when it's rooted in the word of God, Fuels us, guides us, shows us the way of wisdom. So even if you haven't had that mother, that father, that mentor, that that teacher to walk alongside of you, the Spirit is primed to guide you. But here's the second thing I'd encourage you with turn to Jesus and receive His Spirit, turn from sin, respond to Him, but then just take the initiative and ask someone else to teach you in the practical ways of following Jesus. When, When my son and I, in January of 2022, Decided to start making pens. I didn't know a single pen maker, Uh, I didn't know anybody making pens out of wood. So, did I just sit around and just hope that one day, like, I just figure it out? No, Uh, I went to YouTube and I started taking the initiative to learn how to turn a pen. And then I found this group of people in Lebanon who turn pens, and I've learned from them how to turn pens. Like, I took the initiative to learn and to grow. And so if you want to walk in the way of wisdom, let his spirit guide you, but then take the initiative and find someone who you know is trusting and following Jesus and learn from them. We we learn as disciples of Jesus by by following others as they follow Jesus. Do you remember Paul's great words? Follow me as I follow the example of who? Jesus. So follow me as I follow the example of Jesus. Find someone who's following Jesus and follow their example And let them help you find that path of wisdom. Let's pray. God, I thank you for just the power of Proverbs. Um, Ancient wisdom, God, with timeless uh, truth that guides us even today. Father, I pray um, specifically for the dads in the room uh, or the dads that are watching online that you would help them see that their primary responsibility above and before anything else is that they would follow you, that they would point and guide their children in following you and choosing your path. And Father, for, for any of us that, that have that out of order, convict us, Father, lead us to to place things back in the right order. God, you are our provider, you are our protector. And let us point our children to you. God, for those children in the room who don't have that father still living or that father who has invested in them, may they, may they just lean into you and, and trust you as their father who cares for them. And may they take the initiative to find someone who will teach them and lead them and guide them. But God, would you help all of us choose to trust in you with all of our heart and to not lean on our own understanding? But God, in all our ways, acknowledge you, submit to you, trusting that you will then make our path straight as we summit these mountains in life. It's in your name we pray and trust. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen.